And so I appreciate that. Thank you all for singing that one. Brother Brian, you all did good, and that's a blessing. Let's open our Bible. How many of you brought your Bible tonight? We hold up the Bible, and I hope I've got as much Bible to say as that song said tonight. Look at Malachi chapter 3, and we're right at the end of the chapter tonight. I know it seems like we're going to stay in this chapter forever. But I want to read verse 16, verse 17, and verse number 18. And I want you to listen tonight to the Word of God. Uh, don't listen to what I say, but listen to these verses and let's allow the Lord to encourage our hearts tonight, all right? Malachi chapter 3, page number 983, if you have an old Schofield Bible. Don't forget Sunday. Please pray for Sunday. Of course, Thanksgiving, Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I'm looking forward to our time together Sunday. And, of course, Sunday night, a special night as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. It'll be a good night. I hope you'll make your plans to be in church on Sunday. All right? Malachi chapter 3. If you're there, would you say amen? Look at verse 16, all right? Let's read this. Then they that feared the Lord. Now, we're talking about people who fear God, who reverence, respect the Lord, spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was, wit was written before him of them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked. There's going to come a day when God's going to separate the righteous from the wicked. I know right now the tares and the wheat's growing together. But there's going to come a day when God's going to separate the righteous and the wicked. And then there's going to be a separation of the righteous. It uh, goes on to say, but between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. There's coming a day of separation. Isn't that, isn't that something? Well, let's pray. Father, bless your word. I pray you'd speak to our hearts tonight for just a few minutes. Lord, give me liberty to preach your word. And may our hearts uh, be open to what you have to say to us tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been with us recently in our Wednesday evening services, then, of course, you'll recall that we have been making our way on a journey through the last book of our Old Testament, the book of Malachi. It is a book that was written almost 2,500 years ago, and yet, as we have saw, seen as we have moved through these services, that this book is right up to date. This book is very relevant to the day in which you and I are living in. As we have moved through this book, we, we have seen how that God was totally disgusted with the actions and the attitude and the arguments of His people. I mean, let's just face it, when it comes to God, these people in Malachi's day were very, very argumentative. God would say something to them. God would say, hey, I love you. And their response was, oh yeah, really? And they argued with the Lord. You ever been in an argument to God with God? Can I tell you something? You'll never win an argument with God. He is always right. But they were arguing with the Lord. But not only were they arguing with the Lord, but they were saying some pretty harsh things about the Lord. Isn't that amazing? In the verses prior to the, our text tonight, if you'll look back up in verse 13, here's what God said to them. Your words have been stout against me. The word stout means harsh, or they have been strong. It's unbelievable to think that God, uh, that people can talk that way about God after how good 
the Lord has been. Isn't it amazing that people can just talk any old way about God, talk awful, use His name in some kind of profane and vile way after God has been so good to them? You know, people want to say God's name in vain and then put a cuss word after that all the time. Well, I sure thank God He hadn't damned me. Amen. Amen. God has been good. And God help us never to talk negatively about, about God. And uh, these people were talking uh, trash. Can I say it like that? Talking trash about God. But in our text tonight, and this is what is encouraging, in our text tonight, God reminds Malachi, and God reminds you and me, that though that may be the case with the majority of people, not everybody is falling into or following that pattern. There are always those whose actions are going to displease God. Their attitudes are terrible. Their arguments against God are very stout, harsh, and strong. But not everybody's like that. Not everybody has fallen into that pattern. You know, sometimes if we aren't careful, if we aren't careful, we start thinking that everybody has gone bad, that everybody has forsaken the Lord. In fact, I think the devil works on us and tries to convince us to believe that, that we're the only ones left. Everybody else has forsook God, and we're the only people that is trying to do what's right. You remember back in our Old Testament and the story of an Old Testament prophet by the name of Elijah? In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah had just experienced a great victory on top of Mount Carmel. You remember the story how that he was there against the prophets of Baal and the contest was, build you an altar, we're going to pray, and the God that answers by fire, that's going to be the God that we serve. Remember that? And then, of course, how the prophets prayed, and, man, they begged, pleaded, even started cutting themselves, jumping up and down, tore up the altar, and went about all day long, and Elijah's standing over there laughing at them. Remember the story? And then Elijah said, okay, boys, out of the way. He rebuilt the altar, prayed 63 words, and the fire of God fell. That's right, buddy. God proved himself, and that nation today, that, that nation that day experienced a revival. Well, in the next chapter, Elijah is going through the blues, and he thinks that he is the only person. He is fully convinced he's the only person in all the land of Israel left that still serves God. But here's what God said to Elijah. Look at this verse right here. And he said... I've been very, very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars. They've slain thy prophets with the sword. And notice this now. And I, he said, even I only am left, and they seek my life. Elijah said, I'm the only one that's trying to serve God. I am the only one that's trying to live for the Lord. But here's what God said to him. And a little bit later in that same chapter, God said... Uh, I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. You know what God's saying, Elijah? You're not the only one. There's 7,000 more running around in this nation just like you that hadn't sold out, that still was trying to live a separated life. And I get it. I understand. The numbers are shrinking. I, I get that. The God-fearing, God-loving, God-serving people of our nation are getting fewer and farther between. I get it. But let us never forget that in the midst of all of the anarchy and all the apostasy and all the apathy, thank God in this nation there's still a crowd that loves God, serves God, fears God, and has the desire to honor God. And that's what God is saying to Malachi tonight. 
God is saying, Malachi, I want to tell you something, son. I know it looks like everybody's gone bad. I know it looks like everybody is arguing with God and everybody's forsaking God, but I just want to tell you, Malachi, there's still some people around that fear me and love me. And can I just say to us tonight, thank God in America, there are still some people that love God, love the Bible, love Jesus, love church, love the Spirit of God, love things as they used to be and still wants it that way. Well, I'm glad for that. You say, preacher, how, sure, how, how are you so sure? Well, how did Donald Trump get in the White House? If there wasn't people who still love the Lord. And by the way, I don't agree with everything morally that man does. I don't agree with everything he's ever said. Uh, some of the profane, vile, dirty things. I don't agree with that at all. But I tell you what, the only reason we got him and not Hillary is because there's still a crowd in America that still holds to some principles and some morals in America tonight. Amen. And I'm glad for that. I mean, in the midst of all those who are failing God, thank God there are still some who fear God. In the midst of all those who are displeasing God, thank God there are still some that are trying to delight God. Not everybody has turned. Thank God there are still many who are true. And in the Bible, the Bible word for that is the remnant. The remnant. There was a remnant in Malachi's day, and thank God there's still a remnant in this day who love God, serve God, and honor God. Well, I'm glad I can say that's still true about a remnant in America. There's still a remnant in the churches of America that still want the old-time way. There's still a remnant. There, they may be getting, it may be shrinking in number, but thank God there's still people who won't preach it. Still people who want the Holy Ghost. Still people who won't worship. Still have a desire to see people saved. Still love. Hey, I'm telling you, thank God for the remnant. But if we're not careful, we'll fall into that notion, listen, that there's more of them than there is of us. I think that's true many times when it comes to the subject of homosexuality in America. You know, if we're not careful, we'll actually begin to believe that, man, they're outnumbering the homosexuals or outnumbering the heterosexuals. But I want you to listen to what I read this week. Listen, I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to listen this week. According to the Williams Institute, which is a branch of UCLA, a liberal university, according to the Williams Institute, they identify that of the 325 million people in the United States of America that only 3.5% identify themselves as LGBTQ. Now, you do the math, that's about 9 million. Out of the 325 million of us, there's 9 million, about the population of the state of New Jersey who identify themselves. But if we watch TV, if we listen to politicians in our day, I mean, we're almost made to believe that we are on the, the losing end. And we're made to believe that, man, we might as well just accept that. There's more of them than there are of us. And, that's, and by the way, this is not hate rhetoric. I, I'm not interested in hate. I don't hate anybody. I love everybody. I want to see everybody get saved. So if you take out, man, I tell you what, our preacher hates people. No, he don't. Jesus don't, and neither can we. But I will tell you this. Thank God there's still more of us than there are of them. Amen. And i got to just give you a little side commentary while I'm right here because it's on my heart. But I sure did hate to see what Chick-fil-A did this week. 
You know the one thing, and by the way, I, if you work there, thank God, I'm glad you work. I'm glad you got a job. But can I tell you something? The one thing I've always loved about Chick-fil-A is the, is the attitude that they've had about the things of God. Their attitude to me almost seems to be like this. Look, here's our stand. If you don't like it, you don't have to eat here. I mean, to me, I mean, that's always. We close on Sunday. If you don't like that, you don't have to come back. I mean, we're for this. We're for the family. We're for God. We're for morals and principles. And if you don't like that, you don't have to eat here. But I'm afraid they cowered a little bit this year. You know they've been under a lot of pressure recently from these LGBTQ crowd. They've been very put, put under the pressure, and people are protesting against them. And I think they caved to that this week, and they said, okay, we're no longer going to support people who, who are anti-LGBTQ. And they backed away from that. And by the way, I'm still going to eat there, and I love them and pray. And by the way, I'm not Chris. I've already prayed for them this week. I think if Truett Cathy was still alive, that would have never happened to Chick-fil-A. But some of this younger crowds took over, and ain't no telling what's going to happen for us. But that's another story. But here's what I'm trying to say, man. Hey, there's more with us than there are with them. Don't forget, there's still a remnant here. By the way. Can I tell you this? While I'm on that subject, I ran this off. One of the organizations that they were so upset about uh, Chick-fil-A making donations to, contributing to, was the Salvation Army and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And then I read this. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the halftime of this coming Thursdays, next Thursdays, Thanksgiving Day football game, Dallas has always played in that game, and I don't even know. Ricky, who are they playing? I don't even know. Who? Let's go, Bills. I pray for Buffalo to win that game. But anyway, be that as it may. All right, in that game, they, they got this big halftime show with a, a singer. I don't know this lady. Her name is Ellie Golden. And when she found out that the official kickoff of the kettle drive for Salvation Army, you know, when they ring the bell and put money in the red kettles, when she found out that they, that was the official kickoff in, in, in Texas Stadium, wherever they play, Cowboys play at, she said, look, if that's the way it's going to be, if they're going to be there, I'm going to cancel my halftime show unless the Salvation Army comes out and makes a donation or reverses their stand on the homosexual community. That's exactly right. And guess what they did? I'm going to read it to you. Listen to it. Uh, Salvation Army come out with a statement, we're motivated by the love of God to meet human needs in His name without discrimination. And then they went on to say, we embrace people regardless of race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, or gender identity. They have completely changed their stand on being against homosexuality. Now look, we're going to help anybody. We're going to try to love everybody as a church. But I'd be a monkey's uncle, man, if I'm going to stand up and say, okay, that's all right. It ain't all right. Never has been, never will be all right. Hey, it wasn't right 20 years ago. It's going, not going to be right 200 years from tonight. It's not right tonight. Man, if I, if I have to face the pressure, bring it on, because if the Bible's very clear about it, let's just stand where we've always stood. Hey, don't look down. We ain't praying right now. I know it's not Sunday. It's Wednesday. But that's good preaching even on a Wednesday night. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, man, we'll get to thinking, boy, we're, we're just a small group left. We're not... There's still some people that serve God, love God, and want God, and desire to do what's right from the Bible tonight. And that's God's message to Malachi, and that's my message to you. Well, thank you all for coming. Let's shut our Bibles and go on. No, I've got three things I want to say about this tonight. All right? How many of you all are with me? Got your blood pressure up now. You're with me, and 
got your blood pressure running a little bit. You're awake now. So uh, let's look at these verses tonight. Let me just show you three things that God said about that remnant that was left. Now, you've got to remember the majority of people in Malachi's day had gone bad. They were arguing with God. I know I've done made some of y'all mad, but I love you anyway. But uh, the people in Malachi's day were arguing with God. They were giving God leftovers. I mean, it was terrible. It was terrible. But God said, Malachi, I just want to encourage you, man. There's still some people that love me. And that's what our text, look at verse 16. We see God doing three things for the remnant, the crowd that's still left. I'm so glad to be a part of the crowd that's still left. Amen. I'm so glad to be a part of the crowd that still believes that our nation was founded by godly people upon godly principles for a godly purpose. I'm glad that the people who discovered North America came seeking God, unlike the people who discovered South America who came seeking gold. Well, aren't you glad that we've got a heritage, a Judeo-Christian heritage in this nation? They can try to rewrite that. They can exclude it from any book that they want to, but they cannot change history. They can't do it. There is still a remnant in this land that loves God. And I just want to say, if they ain't careful, this remnant may put that, right, that guy right back in the White House again. I saw today, please don't be, I, I know i got to preach and I'm going to, but I saw today, is it booty egg? Am I saying that right? Boutier? Boutier has just come out, just thrown his hat. Is it right? Am I saying it right? I'm close enough. Booty Booty has come out and thrown his hat in the ring to run for the presidency on the Democratic side. He is an openly homosexual man. He is married to another man. And he is now the front runner in New Hampshire, in Iowa, I tell you, bless your heart, don't be mad at me, but if I was a Democrat, I'd change my politics. I'd find me a voting place tonight and change my politics. You're welcome. I have the notion of Chick-fil-A. If you don't like it, you don't have to come back. But we got you here tonight. Yes, sir. Let's look at this together. I've kidded enough. Look at verse 16. Three things God does for the remnant. First of all, we see God remembering the remnant, remembering. Notice verse 16. The Bible said in verse 16 that when it came to this crowd that feared the Lord, the Bible said that God, uh, that a book of remembrance was written before him, before God, of them, of the remnant. You know something we find in this text? God remembers the remnant. God was well, of, well aware of the fact that although there were many who had gone away, there were some who hadn't gone away. There were many that were arguing, but there were some who were not arguing. Though God knew the ways of the ungodly, thank God He still knows the ways of the godly as well. And if you'll look in this text, we see God remembering the remnant. I want you to put down two things in verse 16. First of all, we see God was listening to them. He was listening. Look at verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. You know what? God was listening to them. Now, one of the things that we so appreciate about our God is that God is a prayer-answering God, that God hears us when we pray. Well, aren't you glad that when we pray, aren't you thankful it's Thanksgiving? Can I say this? Aren't you thankful that you can get your prayers answered tonight? 
Aren't you glad? You know, sometimes I have asked God to do things and God has done them and the only explanation for it getting done was God did it. Aren't you glad that God can do that? God can answer our prayers. Since Jesus died on the cross, I mean, I know for centuries that veil stood between man and God, between the ark, the presence of God. That veil was saying, stay away, keep out. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible said that veil in that temple was split from the top all the way down to the bottom. And man now has access right into the very presence of God. Hey, look, I can pray for you. Others can pray for you. But guess what? You can pray for you as well. Everybody has access in the name of Jesus on the merits of the shed blood of Calvary. Every one of us can go right into the very presence of God. Isn't that amazing? God answers prayer. But can I tell you something? That's not what he's talking about here. When he's talking about listening to them, he's not talking about the subject of prayer. You know what? These godly people, this remnant was going around in Malachi's day, and they were just talking to one another about God. Now, remember, there's another crowd talking about God in verse 13. Boy, they're talking negatively about God. And their words were styled against God, but in verse 16, there was a crowd, may not have been a large crowd, but there was a crowd running around, and they weren't talking negatively about God. They were talking positively about God. They were lifting God up. They were speaking, notice verse 16, one to another uh, about God. And the Bible said the Lord hearkened and heard it. Boy, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Every time that you and I talk about God in a positive manner to each other, the Bible said there is a God that is set up in heaven and he's listening to what you and I have to say. You and I would never say negative things like these people are saying about God. But has it ever dawned on you that God listens to us as we talk about Him? We ought to be talking about God not only in church. I mean, this just, I know this is God's house and we come, we talk about God while we're here. But we ought to talk about God in our house. We ought to talk about God in the workplace. We ought to talk about God in the car. We ought to talk about God at the ball game. I mean, when somebody hits the winning free throw, somebody ought to stand up and say, Praise the Lord. I mean, we ought to be talking. You know why? Because God's listening to what you and I have to say as that remnant, that godly crowd that still wants the Lord. Aren't you glad that God still hears what we've got to say about Him? And the Bible said that He's not only, he's not only uh, hearing it, but He's writing it down. That's right. God's listening. How, how often is your conversation full of, uh, full of comments about God? I'm not just talking about flippantly. How you doing? Praise the Lord. Get on the elevator. What, what floor are you on? Seven. Hallelujah. Get off the elevator. Can I have so-and-so's room number? Yes, he's in room 702. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about, you know, when we just talk, hey, isn't God good? Isn't he wonderful? Well, I'm so glad God saved me. Well, I'm so glad I'm a child of God. I'm glad I know where I'm going. You know, God hears that stuff. God listening. But notice this, not only God's listening, notice God's listing of them. While wow, the Bible said here in this text that of those who feared God and were speaking about God, the Bible said that God was writing it before him in a book of remembrance. In other words, listen, I mean, those of us that love God and serve God and honor God and fear God, God's keeping a record of all that. God's keeping a record of your commitment. 
God's keeping a record of your dedication. And by the way, can I say this? Boy, God sure does keep accurate records. I tell you, bless your heart, when we get to heaven, I mean, I'm not going to have to face somebody else's record. Brother Buddy, I'm not going to have to face your record, your book. You're not going to have to face my book. But aren't you glad that God's keeping a record and the Bible said God's, list, God's not only listening, but He's listing the deeds and the commitments of His people. And someday you and I are going to face the record, the book that God is writing of remembrance of our lives. That's the reason over Revelation 20, the judgment of the great white throne. I know we're not going to be judged there. I get that. But you ever read that phrase in there where it said this, and the books will be open. Books, plural. You say, what are those books? I think they're the books of the Bible. I think it's the Lamb's book of life. I think it's the book about life in general, book of their lives, the opportunities people had to receive Christ and they rejected Christ. And every, the Bible said every idle word that men speak, Matthew 12, 36, we're going to have to give an account for in the day of judgment. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I want to be sure i got some good things in my book. Amen. So we see God remembering. How many of you all are with me on that? God remembering. He remembers the remnant. And then notice number two. Not only do we see God remembering the remnant, but number two, we see God recognizing the remnant. I like what God said about them. Look, if you will, uh, verse 17. God said this, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. You know what God said about that remnant? God said, that's mine. They're mine. I own them. I lay claim on that remnant. Uh, they're, they're, my, they're my people. Now, I'm glad that like Thomas, I can say he's my Lord and he's my God. I'm laying claim on him. But you know something? I may get Alzheimer's one of these days. And I, it runs in my family. Sometimes I think I've already got it a little bit, a, a little taste of it anyway. And, uh, but yeah, some of these days, I mean, you may see me and I may not even know me or you. Isn't it sad? And I've gone through that and experienced with my own mother and my grandmother. You know, my grandmother called me that man. And all my grandmother knew me as before she died was, that man's going to preach my funeral. That's what she didn't call me, Tim. She said, that man's going to preach my funeral. When my mama died, I'm not sure. I think there were times that maybe she remembered me, but I don't think for save her life she could call my name. You know, that may happen to me some of these days. I may forget who I am. I may forget all about God or church. But can I tell you something? Well, I sure am glad he's not going to forget me. <laughs> you know, just as much as I claim him, boy, I'm sure glad. And by the way, he don't ever forget. He, he, he don't ever have to have anybody to prod his memory. He don't have to have that jellyfish peel every day. What good does that do anybody? You see them crazy things laying all over the beach. Ain't got enough sense to get in the water. They won't tell us, take this from the jellyfish. It'll help you to remember. They ain't even got enough sense to remember to stay in the water. Ain't helping nobody. You're welcome. Prevaging. What was he talking about now? Let's get back to this real fast. No, man, he owns us. God recognizes those. Of him. And notice what he calls them there in verse 17. He calls them jewels. In that day when I make up my jewels. You know, through the Bible, we're called by a variety of names. We're called children. We're called saints. We're called disciples. We're called sons. We're called believers. We're called Christians. We're called witnesses. We're called friends. We're called ambassadors. But this is the only time in the whole Word of God where God said, yeah, you're my jewel. Speaking about that crowd that feared him, 
spake often one to another. Speaking about that remnant, that crowd that didn't argue, they praised God. Speaking about that crowd, God said, They are my jewels. I mean, you stop and think about that. You know, jewels are, are, are God's creation. No man can make a jewel. Now, if any man ever comes up to you and says, Hey, man, I made this diamond. No, he didn't. You don't make jewels. God makes jewels. Nobody, you can't make a ruby. You and I can't make a sapphire. We can't do, they're, they're, they're the, the amazing production of, of Almighty God. He's the only one who can create a jewel. And by the way, he's the only one who can save your soul. He's the only one that can take you from being a child of the devil on your way to hell and save you by his grace and make you a child of God on your way to heaven. And God said, that's my jewel there. I created it. If any man be in Christ, he is a new. Yeah. He's, we're jewels. We're very rare and very precious. You know something? Jewels aren't found everywhere, are they? I mean, you can't go out in your backyard and dig up a diamond. I mean, there's not laying around in the ditch. You can't pick them up like pop bottles on the side of the road. I mean, they're very rare. They're very scarce. And can I tell you something? There's a lot of people who make fake jewels, fake diamonds, fake pearls, fake rubies, fake emeralds. But I tell you, only God can make the real thing. And when God makes it, it's very precious. Very precious. Can I tell you something? You're very precious to God tonight. That remnant. That crowd that still fears, still, fear, still fears God and wants to serve God, oh, yeah, you're precious. And what about this? Uh, they're precious because they're very valuable. You say, well, how valuable are we? If you went out to purchase a diamond, now that one like my wife's got cost $5 million on her finger. I'm kidding. If you were to go over and look at it tonight, you know what she says sometimes. Let me get my magnifying glass out and see if that thing's still in there. But I worked hard to pay for that thing. But you know something? Boy, they're valuable, aren't they? You know, you can have a barn full of wood, hay, and stubble, and you ain't got much. But I tell you, if you've got gold and silver and precious stones, you can have a pocket full of gold, silver, and precious stone, have millions and millions of dollars. They're valuable. Can I tell you how valuable you are? We were not redeemed with silver and gold from our vain conversation received by tradition from our fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish who verily was foreordained before the... I'm telling you, you're so precious, God gave his darling son to shed his blood so you could become his child. Hey, yeah, God, we see God. What did I say? God remembering them, but now we see God recognizing them, that remnant, that faithful crowd. And then watch this, number three, and I'm done. We see God. We see God rewarding them. Look at verse, uh, verse number 17. God said, in that day, I'm going to spare them. Spare who? The remnant. That's why we ought to be faithful about, to God and finish right, as they were singing about just a little ago, finish well. I mean, man, be a part of that remnant. You see, God speaks to the remnant. He speaks about a deliverance. God said, I'm going to spare them. Now, we know as the New Testament closed, I mean, Israel was in all kind of trouble. Then we know through that 400 years of silence, if you've ever read between Malachi and Matthew, uh, what we've got in our Schofield Bible and all the wars and the bloodshed, well, we know one thing. We know that, boy, the, Israel, the, the nation of Israel went through a great period of persecution and bloodshed, oh, Antiochus Epiphanes and some of that crowd. Buddy, back during those days, it was a terrible time. But God said, I'll tell you what, that remnant, I'm going to look after them. I am going to spare the remnant. He speaks of a deliverance, but then he speaks of a difference. Look at verse, four, uh, verse 18. The Bible said there is a difference between the righteous and the wicked. Now, I've got to tell you something. There is a difference between the sheep and the goats. 
Now, I know in our day you can't tell the sheeps apart from the goats. Am I right? I mean, you work with people every day of your life that cuss like a sailor, and they'll go to church and pay their tenth and go out Monday and buy their fifth. You work with those people. I hope I don't work with none like that here at the church, but <laughs> nuts in every crowd, I'm sure. But you know something? I mean, we rub shoulders every day with people like that. And you can't tell this world, you can't tell the sheep from the goats. You can't tear, tell the wheat from the tares. As long as you're growing together, you can't tell a difference in them. There was an old farmer in our church, a little mountain church, Doc Venable, and he grew wheat for a living. And I asked him one time, I said, how in the world can you tell the difference between a tare and a wheat? He said, you let them grow, and then when they get grown, he said, if you'll notice, that old wheat will stand tall, that tare will stand tall and proud, but that wheat will begin to bend over. He said, you know why they bend? I said, no, sir. He said, there's a head on top of that wheat, and inside of it, it's got a kernel inside of it. It's got something on the inside. Aren't you glad you got something on the inside? And because that kernel of wheat, that on the, and then the head of that wheat, it starts, it starts bowing. The Bible said, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he's the Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's a difference. God said, I'm going to make a difference between the righteous and the wicked and between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Listen to this and I'm done. Somebody said this. How do, uh, He who does work will get God's pay. He who does God's work will get God's pay. However long may seem the day, however weary may seem the way, though powers and princes may thunder nay, he who does God's work will get God's pay. He, he does not pay as others pay in gold or land or raiment gay, in goods that vanish and decay, but God in wisdom knows a way, and this is sure, come what may. He who does God's work will get God's pay. I'm telling you, everybody, it may look like they're winning. It may look like, don't be mad at me, but it may look like the homosexuals outnumber the heterosexuals. It may look like the wicked's outnumbering the righteous but I done read the back of the book and we're going to win. Amen. So cheer up, you saints of God. There's, what's that song Miss Pat used to teach us at, at camp? Cheer up, you saints of God. There's nothing to worry about, nothing to make you feel ashamed, nothing to make you doubt. Remember Jesus never fails. Why, so why not trust him and shout? You'll be sorry you worried at all tomorrow morning. She taught us that at camp years ago. Hey, man, we don't have to worry about it. We done, we done won the battle. Amen. Amen. We might lose the battle, but we done won the war. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you come to church on Wednesday night? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you.